Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Welcome into the Jim Rome Show. Good morning. Good afternoon if you're on the East Coast. Bill Ryder with you. Come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. Great to be here. Awesome to be filling in. Alvin DeLauro is here. The newest guy on the Jim Rome Show, Tom DiBenedetto, is here. Hawk, Ritt are off. Jim is obviously off. He's off the rest of the week. You got me today. I was in yesterday. And I think the Sklar brothers in tomorrow who are awesome. They'll be in next few days. It is, as always, a pleasure and an honor to be here. Appreciate you listening. We've got a great next three hours lined up. And today's a big day for me. Did my show in the morning, doing Jim Rome Now, which is always the highlight, really, just professionally of the whole year. Love doing the show. Then I get to race down, not race down, I've got a little bit later flight, go down to LAX, fly to Phoenix, and you can catch me over on CBS Sports HQ with my friend, with my colleague, Avery Johnson, talking a little Suns Bucks. Yeah, Alvin, by the way, like I lean into those, like drop all day long. Yesterday I said to Alvin, we were all here on... You know, it's a little more casual on a, on a holiday, right? We are on TV yesterday. A lot of you were hopefully drinking beer, eating hot dogs. I hope not 76 of them like Joey Chestnut. It's disgusting. It's a terrible American tradition. It's a little chill, though. And I, I said to Alvin, like, do all the drops you want. And he did. They were great. Alvin's a magician. And then I said, hey, the only time that I've ever heard anyone dr- do a drop on a guest was writ once. And that went over about as well as me filling in with some of you. Sports writer, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. <laughs> yeah, there he is. But I'm serious, Alvin. You want to drop You want to drop a little uh, little droppy drop on Howard Beck later in the show, Tom Haverstrow. I wouldn't do it to Jim Bowden or, or Tony Wynn Jr., but us writers with a W, not an R, we, we, can, uh, we, we can roll with it. We, we got you. You do your thing. Uh, Shoy Otani, birthday yesterday, and closing out this half of the MLB season as we get to the All-Star game. With literally one of the great first halves in baseball history. And that's just offensively before you talk about the insane way in which he's changing the game. So we're going to shower that guy with praise. I may try to sneak in a little soccer talk here on the show. There's a lot going on in international soccer. And I am going to praise Chris Paul the way that he deserves. My history with him notwithstanding, we'll do some NBA bets. Speaking of bets... I should be rooting for the Suns when Game One kicks off tonight, because I've got I've got money on Phoenix. I, I got I got Phoenix at twelve to one during that Lakers series, couple hundred bucks with, with my brother. My brother was in, in Vegas, and we we got it down. And we're all self interested creatures, right? We all want to feel like we're right, and mostly we just want to collect some money. But in reality, my checkbook aside, right, my head aside, my career aside, because I've been riding the Suns nonstop over on. CBS Sports Radio and CBS Sports HQ going back to December. I am the kind of media figure, media person, host, who should be rooting for the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I love Giannis's story. I'm a huge fan of this idea of somebody that comes to America with all this potential, but not highly coveted, not highly drafted, took a long time to develop, and through his hard work and his excellence and what other people missed, he evolves into a two-time MVP. And even as a two-time MVP who, his injury notwithstanding, doubtful for tonight's game, still helped propel largely, right? I know they won without him, but propelled the Bucs to, to a finals, was still doubted constantly. The awkward, it's been awkward to watch 10 seconds and longer when he tries to shoot a shoot a free throw. That's, that's a little painful. 
the the air ball free throw. I actually was watching a game the other day, and I ran in to grab some chips or something, and my phone just started vibrating because I have all these Twitter alerts, and I looked down, and what was trending was air ball. It took ten seconds. I'm like, oh, I guess he, I guess he, I guess he air balled another one. The three point shots that I know he shouldn't be taking, but that Chuck and Shaq constantly reference on TNT correctly. But again, these are the data points. These are the little moments of, of down of, of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, I, that enough would would, would be. Would be the reason the catalyst for me to feel like the Bucks are kind of the team in my heart. Unless you root for a team, right? Unless you're from Milwaukee or from Phoenix. For most of us, I'm not from either place. For most of us, you just sort of figure out who you're rooting for as the thing goes along. It reveals itself. I was rooting for Atlanta at every step of the way because I'm a huge Trey Young fan. And again, a little self-interested. I was I was up on the Hawks a little early in NBA media circles. I'm also I'm not from Wisconsin, but I'm from Dubuque, Iowa. That's at the border of Iowa, Wisconsin, and Illinois. A lot of Wisconsin folks in my life went to my high school. My aunt and uncle, what's up, Uncle John? Invited me for steaks and beers. I'm in invite our, our, our Wisconsinites. They live in Waukesha outside Milwaukee. And and this is going to offend you know my, my other 61 cousins. But the cousin, I love you all, but I'm probably closest to, Stephanie, who's from Milwaukee, is getting married in Milwaukee the day after what will be Game 7 of the series. So please, for the love of God, anyone in Game 6. Anyone in six, because it'll be in Milwaukee on that Tuesday. I can just stick around. But I am from that part of the country. And as somebody whose kids were born in Kansas City and my career began in, in a sports media sense in Kansas City, I root for those markets, even though I live in L.A. now and spent a couple of years living in Brooklyn and, and love both places. I root for the middle part of the country. And as Axios pointed out, these are Phoenix, not really the middle part of the country, but, but not L.A., not the coast, and, and Milwaukee. Phoenix and Milwaukee are in dire need of a championship. Neither of these cities have won more than a single championship since 1980 in Major League Baseball, the NHL, the NFL, or the NBA. Only Phoenix, only the Diamondbacks, once in 41 years. Not one time in that span, which is basically my lifetime for Milwaukee. And as a guy that's from the middle part of the country, that really likes and respects that Bucks organization, that has family from there, I should be rooting for the Bucks, I should be believing in the Bucks. I should come on the Jim Rome Show, which is by far the the biggest platform that I'm able to to speak to anyone about sports. And I should make the case that Chris Middleton was awesome in that last round and found his groove. I mean, the dude was what 24, 8, 7, and almost two steals per game. That is LeBron light, and I don't mean that as a backhand compliment. I mean that as a, an utter level of excellence. He's a great defensive player. Drew Holiday found his groove finally and played really well in that last series. And in games, finally, without Giannis, hey, what's up, Rit? I don't know where it is, but he's drinking so much hot chocolate. He's just bathing in hot chocolate. He's like Homer Simpson just in a pool of hot chocolate right now. Drew Holiday played great. Brooke Lopez figured it out. Mike Budenholzer, even someone approximated a coach who knows what he's doing. Does that feel unfair? It feels a little unfair. Such It's so, such low-hanging fruit. And you heard a lot of talk about Giannis's excellence. Right, stuff that, that you might want to, to reinforce the idea he's going to get out there. He's doubtful for the game tonight. We don't know much about what's going to happen. We've seen guys force their way back, really come back and play pretty well. Donovan Mitchell for Utah was angry when, when, when they got that Jazz team, didn't allow him to play early in the first round. And when he forced his way back in the lineup, he was awesome and kind of ran out of steam. No judgment. Kevin Durant, not injured, but had to carry a team that was full of injuries. And you saw Harden force his way into the lineup. Didn't play, I mean, played gritty basketball, but, but wasn't Harden. I mean, you can go down the list. Anthony Davis got himself back in for that elimination game against the Suns. Again, all the way back in the first round. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. 
he looked immobile. Really, the one guy, it's been a season defined by injuries, who was hurt, who I didn't think should play, again, with, with, with no information, just like I have no real information on Giannis's health status, was Joel Embiid, and Embiid for Philly was awesome. And the guy was, was a beast. This is the context that, in which we wait for Giannis to come back. Doubtful for tonight's game. A report from Chris Haynes going all the way back to Game 6 in which the Bucs without Giannis beat Atlanta, avoided a Game 7. Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports, excellent, excellent NBA reporter, spot on in his reporting, said, reported, had sources telling him that Giannis would play in Game 7 if it got to a Game 7. Which means he probably can force his way back whenever they feel like it's dire. Here's the advice I would give. It isn't dire until Game 3 and you're down 2-0. It's not really dire if you win one of the first two games without him. And everybody yesterday involved with the Suns and the Bucks, right? players, coaches, faced the media, did the media thing, talked about what's happening. In fact, Monty Williams, who's an incredible head coach, coach of the year, what, what a run that this team has had under him going back to last year, talked about, and we know this, but talked about how Giannis's presence changes everything. I mean, it's the finals. You know, you expect their best, and, and we hope to – um, counter that with our best. Um, we've watched all the games that we played against them in the regular season, and they were highly competitive games. Highly competitive games. And the Bucks were markedly better. Markedly better in that conference finals than they were against the Nets in several of those games. If the Nets don't get fell by the same injury reality that's defined the entire postseason... It's Brooklyn who's probably here, right? Let's, let's, let's be frank. Brooklyn's the team that advances. And Giannis's presence is critical. And Budenholzer talked about just how important Giannis is to this team. I mean, you know, it's, it's the playoffs. They always have a little bit of, you know, things that are complicated and hard. And I'm sure Phoenix, they may be asking Phoenix the same question. Is it harder, you know, not knowing? And, you know, you just got to take things as they come. Um, again, try and keep things clean for the players. Um, you know, just allow them to go out and play. And Budenholzer also, and he's right, reference what I've talked about here is that in that Eastern Conference Finals, in those two games without the two-time MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's a freak in nature, who's really a, a modern Shaquille O'Neal. He's a specimen. He's huge. He's basically and should be a center who can handle the ball. He, he's a point center who can't shoot. He's Rondo as Shaq. That, that's what, and that's an amazing, amazing thing to be. And Budenholzer talked about how the other guys, and they did, brought a different level of excellence without Giannis in that series. I think the whole group, you know, it, it's, it, I guess, I guess next man up is the phrase, but it's, it's really each man taking a little share of that load. Um, and the guys did that well. And uh, we may have to do that going into game one and, and until Giannis, uh, you know, hopefully is uh, able to return. What is with Budenholzer, by the way, sounding like he's about to break into tears and have a panic attack every time he talks about anything? He sounds like me the first time I did Jim's TV show where Jeff Goodman and I sat in a green room and just like basically sweated in fear for two hours. And then Dave Whelan walked in and was like, how's it going? And I'm like, it's fine. My voice cracked. Great little, great little moment. I'm telling you, the first time, and most of you haven't met Jim, the first time I walked onto that, that TV set and I met Jim was literally one of the most terrifying moments of my entire career. And I had to work with Carissa Thompson, Gary Payton, and Donovan McNabb on live TV when they thought it was funny to pick on the writer. I'm just telling you, not easy. So I'm with you, Bo Booty, Bud, I, I feel you, but you got to chill a little bit.
All right, so let's add it all up. I'm from that part of the country. I root for, and I hate the term flyover country. I find it so disparaging and disrespectful. But I root for the places that, that other people where I live would call that. And by the way, I've, I've realized now why people call it flyover country. These idiots who live in L.A. and New York, and I love both places, so I apologize to those of you from there, actually don't know where Iowa and Mississippi and Arkansas are. They, have, this is a fun thing to do at like parties with people who have never left New York or L.A. Is just because they'll. I went to New York, a New York party once, and I can't. It's not even Dostoevsky. It's like an author. I, they're like, "What do you think of?" Let's pretend it's Dostoevsky, but it was some other random Russian. I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about. It's like trivia. Like, what, what are you, all Mensa candidates? And then L.A., they all want to talk about, like, how many times they've been skiing and black diamonds and what great shape they're in and what's your body, you know, what's your body fat level or whatever the hell that. Like, look at me. I mean, my body, it's bourbon. It's four bourbons last night. Stop judging me. The way you turn the table is start grilling them on places in the middle part of the country where most of us are from. They have their eyes. They don't know. They have, it's a, where, where's a, what's further north, Iowa or Idaho? People that just their eyes glaze over. What's further east, Arkansas or Mississippi? They honestly don't know. The fact that that's a reality in my life, and I root for that part of the country. The fact that I, I really think John Horst, the GM, who I don't know that well in Milwaukee, has done an amazing job. The fact that if I can be a little over the top and cheesy, that Giannis Antetokounmpo, he really is, in an NBA sense, the embodiment of the American dream. Comes from Greece. Nobody thinks he's going to be a superstar. He's obviously a specimen physically, and he works his tail off and becomes a two-time MVP and pulls this Milwaukee Bucks town and this Milwaukee city toward his first championship in a very, 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 very long, in a generation. All of that should add up to the fact that I'm rooting for this team, and I'm going to sit here and tell you why it can happen. It just can't. It's not happening. There's zero chance if Giannis isn't healthy. The Suns are, are too good. They're too good. It doesn't matter how, way, how well Chris Middleton played in the last round. And I like Atlanta. The Suns are a different level of challenge than the Hawks. It doesn't matter how good defensively the Bucs can be. And they can be, even without Giannis. They have great defenders. They will not stop Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And God, DeAndre Ayton's become so good. It doesn't matter that it's kind of a weird COVID year and anything can happen. If Giannis isn't healthy, and this is not an argument to rush him back. Do not rush him back. I mean, that's not true. Do not rush him back until game three if you're down 2-0. But if Giannis can't be healthy, if they bring him back too soon, if they can't bring him back at all, if he comes back on a absolutely legitimate timeline and he still isn't himself or gets hurt, series is over. Without Giannis, this is Suns in, in four or five. And this is not to disrespect Milwaukee. It is to say that they have a single superstar. The Suns have two. Chris Paul is a superstar who, at the absolute twilight of his career, has one last chance for this team in this moment to be his opus. And I think he's going to take it. And Devin Booker is, outside of Giannis, the best player in the series. Young, thinks he's going to learn, he's going to get better. And we do these comparisons all the time, and I, and I usually hate it. But he, along with Donovan Mitchell, are as reminiscent of Kobe Bryant as anybody that I can remember in a, in a really long time. He can shoot. He is aggressive. He is tough. I'm sure some of it is the fact that Kobe got his nose broken in the All-Star game by Dwayne Wade and just kept on keeping on. And Devin Booker got his nose broken by Patrick Beverly and kept on doing his thing. But those are two stars. Two, and DeAndre Ayton, I don't want to get into an argument and a definitional argument about whether DeAndre Ayton's a star or a superstar or a great player, but he has been formidable in the extreme really the entire season since since Chris Paul arrived. What he can do in the pick and roll, 
his ability to rebound, his physicality, becoming one of the better big men in the game, living up to the expectations from a few years ago when he was drafted number one overall. Monty Williams is, this year at least, literally coach of the year, best coach in the game. He certainly has the advantage over Mike Budenholzer. The Suns have four home games because they have the best record. That's going to be significant. This series is over if Giannis can't play. And I can't tell you if Giannis can play. You don't know if Giannis can play. Nobody out there, because I haven't seen Woj put it out there or Shams put it out there from a press conference everybody was at. I haven't seen whether or not Giannis can play from the people that would know or pretend that they know. The reality is that this NBA Finals comes down to, in terms of being competitive, whether or not Giannis Antetokounmpo can be out there or not. The fact that he's doubtful, the fact they can't get him for Game 1, Means those of you that want to bet on the Suns, probably not, probably not a bad idea. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high performance computers and tech built for business and be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877 877- Seven, ask Dell and speak to a Dell Technologies advisor today. Bill Ryder with you. I got Alvin Delaro over here just messing with my emotions, playing with, with my heart, telling me that there's a Krispy Kreme donut at the Phoenix airport because I said on my own show, Krispy Kreme, fat boy! An hour ago, as much as I find the Joey Chestnut 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes to be a deplorable act of disgustingness, it is impressive. And Yesterday, was it John in Albuquerque? One of the clones from Albuquerque hey asked, hey, John, what I could uh, do keep the drops coming, especially the writ ones. He just tweeted out a one of those brag. This is my view from my hotel room in Hawaii. Is it nice? Bring it on. It wasn't until you uh, laid your eyes on it and ruined it for everybody else, bro. Anyway, I said yesterday I could eat a bunch of Krispy Kreme donuts because I love them when they're Very hot nice. now. And Alvin just told me, just lied to me, just said there's a Krispy Kreme donut at the Phoenix airport where I'm flying after the show for, for game one of the finals. And I, like a, like a sucker, believed him, got really excited. I'm not sure I'm going to eat today. I had a little little breakfast thing, but I'm going to go straight to the airport. I'm going to catch my flight, but there's not going to be a lot of time. I'm going to fly straight to Phoenix. I'm going to go, hopefully, do a pregame hit for CBS Sports HQ. Go straight into the game and then be there to about 11. So if any of you are from Phoenix and know where I can get late night food, preferably downtown, I know you're listening to the Dream Room Show to help me navigate my, my eating options. Sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. And to you, Alvin, don't ever lie to a man about Krispy Kreme donuts. That's not cool. You got me excited. Apparently it wasn't true. Not, not, you are a liar, sir. You are also that. All right. Bill Rudder with you. Oh, my God. Is that Kawhi? That... If you put, I don't watch a lot of horror shows. I don't watch, I've never seen any of the Saw movies. It's just not my thing. If you made someone like an evil villain and made that the laugh right before they like got somebody, <laughs> I would stand up and walk out of the film. Be like, this is not, this is like the worst acting. That's a weird guy, bro. It's a perfect segue. I love the, the Kawhi laugh because there's this, this false idea, this false notion that if you're a celebrity, your opinion on, insert anything, politics, vaccinations, science, anything are, are, are meaningful or significant. I really want to watch Johnny Depp in movies. I have no interest in Johnny Depp or Tom Cruise or a lot of people, John Voight, Sean Penn, giving me life advice, perspective, suggestions on anything. It doesn't correlate. You're good at one thing, 
doesn't mean that you're good at the other thing. Celebrity does not equate to excellence. And the same is true of leadership in sports. We have this expectation the best players are, are the leaders of the teams. That's just not true. Kawhi is a great example. Kawhi is an amazing player. He is potentially, potentially one of the great players of his generation. I think his career is, is fascinating. If he wins one more, and presumably if he ever wins another NBA championship with the Clippers, if he stays there with somebody else, you would think he'd be a finals MVP for that to happen. He'll be the best player on whatever team he plays on. And so if he gets one, he'll have three championships on three different teams as a finals MVP three different times. He's already done it twice. That's amazing. But he's not a leader. He's amazing. I think he's amazing. He's not a leader. You saw him sit up in the skybox in that Clippers series, not on the bench. People ask me on TV. People ask me on Twitter. People talk about, is this a, is this a problem? Not really. You're not a leader. That's not what he is. He never has been. I don't think he's disconnected from his team in the sense that he's a cancer, the way some guys are. I just think he's a non-factor. We've all had colleagues and bosses like this, right? More like colleagues. I worked in a newspaper once in Des Moines. Had a guy, I think he ended up winning a Pulitzer Prize, who was really important, really powerful, really good at what he did. and like It was like talking to a wall. He was just painfully shy. Part of the deal sometimes. And you also have guys who are great players who aren't leaders who pretend that they are, who are charismatic, who go on TV and pretend to be a twin, a Cliff and a Chris and sell you insurance. Chris Paul is an amazing player, an amazing player. And despite my own personal history of the guy, which has not been pleasant, which I've talked about a lot, honestly, candidly, accurately, this is a guy who I think, have thought, and continue to think is the best traditional point guard in his generation. And maybe in the last couple of generations. I think he's a better point guard than Jason Kidd. I think Jason Kidd's amazing. I think he's a better point guard in the regular season, right, than Steve Nash in the postseason. Then Steve Nash, and Steve is an amazing guy, an amazing player. For me, traditional point guard, and I've said this a lot, got to go back to Isaiah Thomas for me to find someone who is his equal and I think surpasses him. But Isaiah Thomas was actually a leader. I know Isaiah, and I know some of those guys through Isaiah. Those guys followed Isaiah. Yeah, maybe they're the bad boys, maybe nobody liked them, but they followed Isaiah, and that's part of the reason they won two championships. By the way, in the Bulls, Bird, Celtics, Magic, Kareem, Lakers era. Magic. I mean, think think about that. There was leadership. Chris Paul is just as talented or almost as talented, but has never been a leader. They didn't like him with the Clippers. They disliked him so much that DeAndre Jordan tried to run away, and they had to quite literally create a hostage situation at a house in Dallas to get him to stay. It worked out so badly in Houston. There were some injuries that affected their 3-1 series lead in the conference finals, but Harden didn't want to play with him. Didn't want to play with him. For whatever reason, it's worked in Phoenix. It's worked magnificently well. And I don't know, I honestly don't know, if it's Chris Paul with the Sands really getting near the end now, running through the hourglass of his career, and all of his excellence and all of his ambition adding up to everything he's ever wanted except the championship, whether Chris Paul, like some of us do, it's the expression is people don't change, and I tend to buy into it, but only at a surface level. Some people do. It's just really, really hard. It is hard to adjust your behavior, especially when you've been rewarded with success. People that have been successful believe that their bad habits are the catalyst for their excellence as much as their good habits. And knowing the difference is hard. I'm sure I make the same mistake in my little level of success. And it's happened to people in their massive levels of success. So maybe Chris Paul changed. Maybe he went into Phoenix and understood I've got to lead differently. I can't divide the locker room. I can't be the guy that's so on people's tail every single time that they're just tired of my voice. I can't be the guy that 
plays amazingly, but people are so afraid of me on my team that they struggle for the, with the moments because they're as afraid of me as they are the moment. So it's double the pressure. Maybe. I think more likely it's a perfect place for his personality, his style of leadership, which is to say his excellence is an ambition that has always been a paradox because it's amazing on the floor and it's been awful off of it. And this is a fact. And the thing that frustrates the hell out of me is that everything I've ever said about Chris Paul or reported people that people push back on, they'll tell you is true in private. I remember once I was going on, on to FS1 when I worked at FS1. And I had reported this story that everybody basically hated Chris Ball of the Clippers, that he was the problem. And I was in the green room, the little room where you wait to go on TV, and there was a longtime famous NBA player in there who was on occasionally. And he's like, oh, hey, Bill, what's going on? I'm like, hey, what's going on, dude? He goes, hey, great Chris Ball story. I go, oh, yeah, I meant to call you for it. I got like 30 people. What did you think? We had a 10-minute conversation where he told me how accurate it was. And, man, I like Chris. That's my guy. But, like, you're totally right. People hate him. He just, he's got to treat people better. But, you know, he's not a bad guy. He's, but, if you just, but he's a bad teammate. And just 10 minutes of, like, you know, felt good. Like, oh, I, I got this right. And then they came in. They're like, hey, you know, Bill, random NBA guy who I'm not going to name. You're on TV now. I go, are we on together? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I go, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm in here to rebut your story. And we walked out there. And the guy spent 10 minutes saying, you didn't play. You know what you're talking about. Chris is amazing. So the whole league, the media and the players have always sort of covered for Chris Paul. But the fact is he's never been well-liked and never been well-received behind the scenes. And this is a chance to change that, to, to, to overcome that. Maybe not even change that, although it probably will change the narrative forever. And I think the reason it's worked, the reason, I think it's a lot like Jimmy Butler with the Miami Heat. The reason he has this chance is because he found the perfect place to just put up with his crap. The same stuff that probably made Patrick Beverly shove him from behind, which you can't do, and Beverly should have been suspended much more than one game next year. But remember, Beverly's the guy that plays dirty and gets in everyone else's head, and they get mad, and they swing an elbow. right? That's part of how he creates a little bit of an edge, or at least competes. For Chris Paul to get into his head like that, A, Chris Paul said something amazing, and good for Chris Paul, and B, Beverly hates that guy and did not want to lose to that guy in particular. But in the Suns, you have a young team that's desperate for excellence, That'll take it. And, and all of us, I think, are willing to accept a certain level of mistreatment when we're younger or when we're desperate for success. That was true with Devin Booker on a grander scale. It, it was certainly true this year with DeAndre Ayton on an individual scale. And he's talking about Chris Paul got on him, rode him, but made him great. Cameron Payne gone to another level because of Chris Paul's tutelage. And that tutelage, trust me, would be painful. So the credit goes to Chris Paul. I've always said this and I've always meant it. Doesn't matter if I like Chris Paul or not. Doesn't matter if other people like him. Matters if he can be great, if he can win, if he can win at the highest level. And in the past, he couldn't because his personality turned people off. Now, because the world's a complicated place, and a lot of this chemistry stuff is alchemy, right? It's sort of magic in a way of human personalities. Now the reality is Chris Paul's found, he's this, I think he's the same guy, he's the same ingredient, but in this mix in Phoenix, in a way it didn't in L.A., in a way it did in Houston, in a way it never would have, right, in Oklahoma City because of the talent, Chris Paul is the missing ingredient. They've gone to another level. A lot like Jimmy Butler last year with the Heat. And even though I don't like Chris Paul and my interactions with him, I'm rooting for it because I want people to be successful. I don't have to like athletes or dislike them to see what they are. I don't have to think that Tom Cruise has a healthy worldview when he jumps on Oprah's couch back in the day to think his movies are amazing, right? I, I don't. You know how many writers were total... I love Hemingway. I'm... That guy was a scumbag. That guy was not a good father or husband or dude. I mean, every person who helped Hemingway on his way to success, he crushed later. 
I mean, F. Scott Fitzgerald, not to get weird, but like gave him all this help and advice. And Hemingway wrote that he had a small, you know what, in a book for no reason. Like, what are you doing, dude? You already surpassed him. You don't have to make up a story about him having a small, you know what? Are you kidding me? Don't have to like these guys. They're artists. They're talents. And I find myself rooting for Chris Paul for that reason. If you want to join the conversation, 1-800-636-8686. Rome at haveatake.com, at jimrome, jimrome.com. I'm on their sports writer, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. I'm not covering the actual Eastern Conference games, games three and four. But I will be in Wisconsin in a couple weeks for a wedding, and maybe they're for game six if it can get that far. I hope that it can. I'm, I'm just I'm such a skeptic on the Bucks, man. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton are locked in. I don't know the degree to which people realized before the playoffs began that the Suns are a really, really good defensive team, as well as obviously extremely capable offensively. And without Giannis, it could be trouble. But some of you are feeling it. Let's take some calls. Let's go, you know what? Let's go to let's go to Green Bay. Where my parents used to live. Justin, appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for listening. You're on the Jim Rome Show. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Awesome. Thanks for the vine. You know, uh, the last time, you know, we got a glimpse of this whole caring about the Bucks in Green Bay thing. You know, it, it used to be if I wanted to talk basketball, I had a better chance sitting on hold for the Jim Rome show and maybe getting on the air than trying to talk to someone around Green Bay about the Bucks because nobody cared. But when Rodgers broke his collarbone a few years back and Giannis started the season averaging like 40 points in his first eight games, we caught a glimpse of this. Now it's like Rodgers is gone. I mean, not only is he like not anywhere to be seen, but I mean, a lot of people have like changed their opinion completely on him. So now not only are people wanting to talk about basketball, but it's everywhere. You know, fear the deer rally towels are replacing G's on cars. And, like, you just – I'm loving it. I'm so pumped. And I know that they don't have, you know, much of a chance from most people. But, man, they, everything just seems to be working out for them. And if there's one thing they can do, it's t- pick your best player and just try to wear them out. So here's hoping that they can extend the series long enough to wear out <laughs> Devin Booker if that's possible. But uh, anyways, appreciate the call. Go Bucks. Yeah, Justin, thanks, buddy. By the way, I get that reference because when my parents my parents moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin, when I was in college at the University of Missouri, and I loved it. But the first time I went there was on a spring break, and I flew out of St. Louis, Missouri, where it was seventy two degrees, and landed in Milwaukee. And we drove to uh, we drove to Green Bay, landed in a, in a in a blizzard, and it was beautiful. It was amazing, right? It was a blizzard. My parents lived next to this forest. I used to go hiking all the time with our dog. Whatever. Green Bay is amazing. And when I first ventured out when the snow cleared, I was stunned. I'm a Bears fan. I, I guess I shouldn't have been. We don't celebrate that because why would we? There were Packers things everywhere in Green Bay. I mean, flags from cars, towels, fl- amazing. And, and the fact that that started to be supplemented by or maybe replaced by, to a certain degree, at least in Milwaukee, Buck stuff makes sense because Aaron Rodgers has not acquitted himself as the most likable guy on the face of the earth. And those things matter. I don't think we even talked about this on the show today or yesterday. Bill Ryder filling in for, for Jim Rome here on CBS Sports Radio and CBS Sports Network. Giannis is so likable. He's not in a major market, but if you watch his press conferences, the way he interacts with people, he's just a really nice dude. And he, and this can change, right? It, it changed with Dwight Howard. It, it can change. I hope it doesn't. You can just tell that he still loves and appreciates and is in awe of what he has succeeded at. And not for me in an off-putting way. Kind of like Mahomes a little bit. 
there, there's a joy. And he's not Patrick Mahomes. Nobody is in any sport. But there's a joy in uh, in Giannis's approach to everything. I, I, I'm Justin. I'm rooting for you guys. Even though I have the Suns, I'm rooting for you. I just I'm not feeling it. But maybe somebody can talk me out of it. Maybe Christopher in Appleton, which is in Wisconsin. My mom used to be a pharmacist in Appleton. Christopher, what's up, brother? Appreciate you. You're on the Jim Rome Show. Hey, thanks for the vine, man. A little disappointed to hear that you're cheering for Chris Paul. I'm sorry. I've been been listening to you and your various, uh, you know, on your show or whatever, talking that you didn't like him, not a good dude, not a good character. That's besides the point because the rest of the national media seems to be doing the same thing like they always do. I would like to say with all Wisconsin sports, the amount of the attention on Wisconsin sports from the national media is really ridiculous. Um, Anytime... Somebody brings up Wisconsin. Oh, that's cheese. Ha, ha, ha. Cliche. Great. Uh, we have uh, the reigning, well, now, uh, you know, last season, Giannis was the MVP. We have the reigning N- uh, NFL MVP. Uh, Yelich from the Brewers is two years removed. Um, the colleges always do great, always relevant, the UW, um, Marquette. Uh, we're a really great uh, sports state. Um, I would say the only other state that would rival it as far as the amount of good teams would be California. And uh, coincidentally, um, do you know what California is uh, better at than Wisconsin? Producing cheese. Uh, Bucks are going to go. They're going to take this. Uh, six, seven, we'll see when Giannis gets back. But uh, fig- figure it out, U.S. Uh, get on the Bucks train now. Otherwise, we're just going to replay your, your crappy takes in three weeks from now. Chris, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you listening all those years. I get it. It's hard for me to root for Chris Paul, too. To be fair, it's kind of win-win for me because I look magnanimous. I can enjoy it if he loses, and I've got this up to 12 to 1. I've got every single base. I've got every single base. Go, yeah, bring me that money. Bring me that money. Uh, so I, I actually hear what you're saying about, about Wisconsin's excellence in sports. I'll just say this. You have to have a, you have to have a championship. you, you got to go win something. And the last one for the Packers, it's been a minute. It's just too long. So, so Giannis has you guys on the cut. That is the thing for me, that mints what you're talking about. And so it is It is California, right? It, it, I mean, Lakers and Dodgers are not for much longer in basketball, the two reigning champions in those two sports. Tampa Bay, obviously, has got the Super Bowl, and they got a close call in the World Series. And you've had a lot of success in Boston, not the last year or so, but over the course of this entire century again and again and again. But I'm with you, man. I, I, I hear you. And I'm, I'm look, I'm rooting for you guys. I just, I'm just not buying it. Bill Ryder here filling in on the Jim Rome Show. And it's because of Giannis's injury. So I could be wrong because we don't know. We've seen guys come back. We've seen miraculous things happen. Hell, I thought Chris Paul's shoulder injury was going to derail my bet and derail the Suns. So, so it can shift. It really can. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Toronto. Billy, what up, brother? You're on the Jim Rome Show. How you doing, Bill? Bill, listen, I'm going to help you out here. Okay. I don't think you're playing this bet smart at all. Tell me. I'm just the other way. I've got two bills on Milwaukee to win it all at 20 to 1. Okay, and the reason why, and we, we both got lucky because Milwaukee's not getting there and Phoenix ain't getting there if there's not, not these injuries. Having said that, we caught breaks. But once you get to the final bill, you got to hedge out, my friend. Yeah. I put, I put two dimes, 2,000 bucks. So I'm going to get 4,000 back if, if, if Milwaukee wins. I'll take the sure two, and I'm going to bet the series, and I'm going to take Phoenix. And I, w- I would recommend you do the same thing. If you got them at 12 to 1, that's 2400 bucks, my friend. I'm betting 200 the other way on the series. Take your heart right out of it and take the sure 1200 bucks. You're crazy to run. What happens if Paul, sh- 
Paul's shoulder comes back and he gets hurt. What happens if one of these other guys uh, in Phoenix gets hurt? Always, Bill, always take the sure money. Heads out. You can thank me later. No, I, it, it, it is a, it's a character flaw. It's a personality flaw. And it's my biggest weakness as a gambler. And I don't even remember the details that are too painful. Tom would know because he was producing me then. My brother and I, we have a gambling syndicate we do together. We basically roll in a bunch of money and we, we lean into our respective expertise. I, I sort of front NFL and NBA. He fronts baseball and soccer and he does a lot of golf. I'll mix in some tennis and we try to run that thing up. And we had had the Chiefs covered, was it, was it seven grand? It was a lot of money. And like an idiot, I didn't hedge because I'm stupid. Billy, you're not wrong. I'm dumb, but it's, it's and I know, I know that I should. So what I'm, what I'm probably going to do is wait to see how the series, I think there's a real chance that the Suns are going to run out to a 2-0 or a 3-0 series lead. And if that happens, what I might start doing is just in small, and I get this can go sideways if it goes the other way and Milwaukee wins tonight. But if I can find later in the series some opportunities where the Bucks are underdogs, right? So it's like Suns plus six in a game five in Phoenix, for example, if it's 2-2 or even it's 3-1 Phoenix, and I'll just bet a bunch of money on the Bucks to cover. And if the Bucks win that game, I get the cover and I hedge. But I can also get a middle where maybe the Suns win the game but don't win within the margin, right? So it's, it's Suns plus six. I bet on the Bucks, and I get this, and the Suns win by three. Then I get everything. I get the Bucks cover and the Suns win. So I'm... I'm going to probably hedge later in the series. I just don't feel a lot, with Giannis injured, I don't feel a lot of pressure to do it now. And I think, and I could be wrong, like I guess Giannis could come back, surprise tonight, look amazing, and the odds could shift, and I'm an idiot. And I'm an idiot sometimes, and it happens. So I'm going to hedge later. I'm just not going to do it at the outset, because you're right, I'm greedy, and I'm making the mistake that the gamblers make, that idiot gamblers make like me, is that I'm chasing, I'm chasing lost money. I'm so mad at myself for not hedging on the Chiefs, and I'm probably not hedging here, so I can make up. I can't remember how. It was so much money that I've just, my brother and I were in a fairly expensive 5-0 and league, and long story short, I just had to get the right, last pick right, and I won a bunch of money. And I didn't, because I'm an idiot. And I, bet, and I used to laugh at people who, who bet and lost a bunch of money in that Patriots-Atlanta Super Bowl, because I never, I have a rule. I don't bet on Browns games in either direction, and I don't bet on Patriots games. But like a moron, I forgot didn't realize that wasn't a Patriots fact. That was a Brady fact. I thought I outthought the game, which once you do that, you're, you're, you're in trouble. You're a moron. Yeah, I know. Is that, who is it? Oh, is it? Who is it? Is that Pharrell? I love Pharrell. You're an idiot. Yeah, what's up, Scotty? <laughs> Scotty would know. He's got some, he's got some gambling insights. Loser. Yeah, I'm with you. You are despicable. I'm just, I, I feel, I feel a little self-loathing right now from Billy in Toronto giving me some, some good advice. But real, again, this is like the, the gambling this is the gambling cardinal sin. It's just hard to see a scenario where the Suns don't come out of this thing up 2-0. Certainly they win tonight. I mean, Giannis being doubtful means Giannis is not going to play, almost certainly. And if they bring him back too soon, he's not going to play well. And even, I'm trying to hear myself trying to talk myself into it. I mean, $2,400 isn't nothing. It's not, it's not nothing. I hit up James Kelly, actually, to try to like pull a little insight off him, but I guess he's going to listen on the Jim Rome show to get it. That dude is on fire. I mean, I'm not like I'm a fine gambler. I can break a little bit even over the course of the year. I like to gamble, so there we go. And then I have some good years and, you know, make some money and go to Vegas with my brother and and, and buy expensive steaks that I can't brother. tell my wife about. It's fine. Part of the deal. James Kelly, that guy's not, but I, I couldn't pull an answer out of him. I got back to the old, what do you think? Bro, if I knew what I thought, 
I wouldn't be texting you while you're on vacation or whatever, whatever you're doing. That's right. And as for Chris Paul, I get it. I know it's weird to hear me. But the thing is, I'm not going to pretend he's a good guy. He's not. He's a total phony. Complete phony. You can see it. Right? You watch the game. You can see the way he talks to his teammates and Beverly shoving him and just the flopping and everything. But it's also true that I'm going to celebrate excellence if, if it arrives. It, it, it's, it's doubly true that he's cost himself a lot more opportunities for glory because of his personality. So, the world's a complicated place. I don't like the guy, but I respect his talent in a massive way. Just like I'm sure half the actors in Hollywood, I wouldn't be able to stand if I bumped into him. All right, welcome back into the Jim Rome Show. Bill Ryder with you, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket Camp. NBA Finals Game 1 begins tonight in Phoenix. I'll be there. Heading out of Southern California for the uh, balmy beauty of Phoenix, Arizona after the show. Then I'll be off to New York City. But I know that Eastern Conference coverage will be in great hands because that is where the one and only Howard Beck will be, longtime NBA writer at Sports Illustrated, the dean of Brooklyn, New York, and my friend at Howard Beck on Twitter. Mr. Beck, what's up, buddy? What's happening, Bill? How are you, sir? I'm very good. You're, you're smarter than I am. So it's going to be, what, 130 in Phoenix and probably like a nice little 82 in Milwaukee? Is that is that what we're looking at weather-wise? Uh, that sounds right, although I have never been to Milwaukee when it wasn't like 22 with freezing rain, so I'm just <laughs> expecting that, and anything that's above that or better than that will just be a bonus. I love Milwaukee. So have you ever gotten out of town to the famous Butterburger place where they actually put an entire thing of butter on a hamburger? Have you been to this spot? Brian Winters took me there, and I'm from the Midwest. Uh, I'm not aware of it. That does not sound like the kind of thing uh, I would do. Okay. Um, I, I tried not to die when I'm dining on the road, okay. and that sounds like um, that sounds like death. For that those sounds, that, that are watching dangerous. this on CBS Sports Network, they can see that it is the kind of thing that I do. So if you'd like <laughs> to put on 14 pounds in one sitting, I'm going to send you the place, and Howard Beck, you, you decide. Um, can I do it, like hold the butter, or is that like, would they just kick me out? I would like... I think you should try. <laughs> you report back next time you're All on right. my show. Right. They, that might also bring about some sort of, you know, near-death experience. I think that could also be problematic for you. Um, what, a, what a bizarre and probable, and for me at least, Howard, interesting NBA playoffs so far. For you, is there any notion of, I hate the asterisk thing, but is there any notion of this being a less-than-championship for, for whoever wins, for you, given all the injuries that have certainly been a part of the process to getting down to these final two teams? No, and I mentioned this on uh, the crossover podcast that I do with Chris Mannix for Sports Illustrated, that my feeling on the the idea of, of how we should perceive this finals, how we view this finals um, this and this championship is the same as I viewed last year's in the bubble when we spent literally months talking about what well, will this feel legit is there an asterisk and i i look at it both the same way which was this if the teams that are in the finals feel like legitimate finals contenders if they have the look the talent the aura of really good to great teams then it's fine if you had ended up say a year ago with the thunder and the pacers in the finals you'd say wow something crazy happened in the bubble because we got Thunder versus Pacers in the finals. No disrespect to the Thunder and the Pacers. But we had last year the Heat and the Lakers, legitimate teams with superstars playing for the championship, and we have the same thing now. 
the Bucks have been a contender in some form or another for the last couple of years. Whatever you may think of their failures, they had the, a two-time MVP. They still do, uh, while injured at the moment. Um, other all-stars, all-star caliber players. The Phoenix Suns have one of the greatest point guards we've ever seen in Chris Paul. They've got a great stud young uh, shooting guard in Devin Booker. DeAndre Payton is a, is a player on the rise. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, excuse me, is a player on the rise. Um, and they've got solid supporting cast members. You know, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, like, there's nothing illegitimate about the teams that are in the finals. So if you want to go back and say, but Kawhi, but LeBron and Anthony Davis, but Jamal Murray, and, and, and all this, you know, but James Harden and Kyrie, I, I get it. I understand the injuries played a role in these playoffs. Injuries always do. Did they play a bigger role this year than most other years historically? I think statistically that's probably true. But the finals com- contenders themselves were teams, one had the second best record in the NBA, the Suns, and, and, and barely the second. They were very close to, to, to first. And the other is the Milwaukee Bucks with a two-time MVP and has been a contender for three years running. We're fine. The finals are fine. Howard back <laughs> on the show. I, I, I'm excited, too. I, I'm looking forward to this series. If And it's an if Giannis is healthy. So, so Howard, let me ask you this, the question this way. If Giannis is unavailable for a big chunk of the series – or when he's available, he is not Giannis, right? He is not able to be the player that, that was the two-time MVP. Has enough happened to clear whatever doubt or concerns or expectations there were for the Milwaukee Bucks? You know, it's tricky. Um, and my feeling is this. You know, we all have to do our silly predictions, and my prediction is basically Suns and Six, but if Giannis doesn't play, then Suns and Five. And my Suns and Six prediction is also because we don't, you know, at a minimum, Giannis is probably missing game one. If he comes back, he's probably going to be somewhat limited. So it's hard to, to view this series as anything other than, you know, other than through the prism of, of Giannis's injury at the moment. When it comes to how people perceive Giannis and or perceive the Bucks, it's tricky because they're not at full strength. He's not at full strength. So if they lose, and somebody tries to take it as some kind of indictment of the Bucks and Giannis, oh, the two MVP couldn't win the championship. Like, come on. <laughs> That would be silly. Somebody will do it anyway because people do this. Um, it, it makes people money. But uh, it, it would be silly to use this finals as any kind of judge of, of this Bucks team or era or, or of Giannis in terms of, of, of legacy because his injury clouds things. Uh, if they win it um, while he's hobbled, then it speaks to a strength of their supporting cast that we didn't really give them credit for before. I mean, we perpetually underrate Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday's made one all-star game in his entire career. Granted, a lot of that's because he spent most of it in the Western Conference and was blocked by Curry and Harden and Westbrook and everybody else, Chris Paul. Um, but Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton are, are you know, probably the, the least you know, glitzy second and third stars on a, on a finals team that we've seen in a while. And yet those guys plus Brooke Lopez got them through the conference finals after Giannis went down. Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated here on the Jim Rome Show. I'm Bill Ryder filling in for Jim. All right, so let's. Um, I'm a huge skeptic of the Bucks without Giannis for, for all the obvious reasons. What is the path for, let's say, for Milwaukee to, to, to force a game five, right? Or, 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 or to win one of the first two games in Phoenix without Giannis? What, what does that look like, you think? It's a great question. Um, we'll find out soon enough, I suppose. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't pretend to know. I, I think it probably involves a lot of Chris Middleton and maybe it involves a lot of Brooke Lopez. Like that was a, a, a 
actual formula for success against the Hawks. Now, the Suns are not the Hawks. DeAndre Ayton will put up a lot more resistance, I think, than Clint Capella and John Collins did in that last series. And I, the, I, the Suns are just a better defensive team, period, and will, we'll, uh, I think, do a more effective job of, of keeping Brooke Lopez from getting deep post touches. But Brooke Lopez is a throwback-type center. Like, he's, you know, yes, he, he expanded his game to the three-point line in his Milwaukee years the last few years, but, like, the, the guy's really super strong and very tall and is very effective and has great touch down low. So I, 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 I'm not predicting that that's where they'll go, but it, it seems like that is one place to try to explore because it had some success against Atlanta. Howard, back here on the show. And Howard, I want you to know I always root for you, but I'm, you know most sports writers just root from their own best interests. I'm, I'm going to my cousin Stephanie, who's a wonderful person, a close friend of mine. Uh, her wedding on the Friday after Game 7 in, in Milwaukee, so I real, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I really need somebody to win this thing in six so that I can just wake up in Milwaukee on that Wednesday. So I'm just going to I'm gonna ride your, your anybody. You, I think you said Suns in six. I'm going to ride anybody in six. And let's, we're in this together, buddy, because I really need that to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I've told the story before, probably not with you, but back in 2000 when I'm covering the Lakers and they go to their first championship – but they were down by 15 in the fourth quarter of Game 7 to the Portland Trailblazers in the conference finals, and I'm already writing a game story that says, well, nice 67-win season. Phil Jackson came in. Things were really good, but they fell short. The Blazers were the better team. Shaq and Kobe will have to try again next season. I'm halfway to writing that, that story when they make one of the greatest comebacks of all time and go to the finals. And that, my friend, kept me from going to one of my best friend's weddings uh, that following weekend. Um, because I had to go to Indianapolis instead. So um, I'm rooting for you to make your wedding. I, I got to tell you, I, I, I think it's 11 times that I have needed an outcome to happen and so have, have done what you did where I've written or began writing a column or a story during the fourth quarter of a game. And because I wrote it, the opposite then happened in dramatic fashion. I am literally convinced, Howard, that there is a sports writing curse, that if you write a story too soon based on what you actually need, you won't get it. So you, you and I can just agree, no columns in Game 5. We'll just we'll just. Well, sit. I mean, you know, those are the newspaper days. We didn't really have a choice. You had to write something. Right. You, had like, you got a deadline. Sure. So you just write what looks like it's going to happen, and then when it reverses, you hit delete a lot, and then you start over. Howard, back here on the show. Um, Atlanta Hawks got really close. I, I, personally, I thought it was an incredibly successful run. I'm sure there's no other perspective that's reasonable that's out there. When we get back to, to a regular NBA season, Howard, when we get back to hopefully close to full health for, for most teams, and certainly the Hawks have to figure out John Collins, that's an interesting piece. To what degree do you take Atlanta seriously as a contender, as an actual legitimate team on the rise over the next several years? They're definitely legitimate. Whether they're a contender or not, I mean, it feels like, I, like I know they just were in the conference finals, like that's, and that was you know absolutely legitimate. But calling them a contender once the league is healthy again, when things are back to normal and the Nets are at full health and presumably the, the Sixers figure out their Ben Simmons problem and the Celtics replenish a little bit and the Heat replenish a little bit. Like the, the East, you know, has a lot of strong teams and the Hawks, I think, have great young talent. They made an incredible run this year. I think they're here to stay, but here is a very broad term. Here, one or two seed in the East, I think that it's maybe too soon for that. Maybe that's a couple years in the distance, we did a little bit more just maturation of the young guys. Cause it's a very young group, um, and maybe some other moves to come. And we don't know about John Collins' future. 
but they're here to stay for sure. And I, I think that their minimum top four team next year in the East um, up there probably with, assuming health, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. I think the Hawks are the next team there ahead of the Celtics, ahead of the Heat, ahead of the Knicks. But all those teams have a lot of work to do this summer, and you know we'll have to reassess that statement after we see what everybody does in free agency. Howard Beck here on the Jim Rome Show. Howard, do you um do you think enough has happened for Trey Young specifically in, in that run to bury the narrative that the Trey for Luca trade, which really became Trey for Cam Reddish and Luca trade, is that is the idea that that was a misbegotten, brutal, terrible decision by Travis Schlank, who I, I happen to think is very good at his job? Do you think that's over and done with now, based on what Trey just did? Nothing's ever and ever over and done with because uh, we we like debating these things too much and we have a lot of airtime to fill. <laughs> it's true, both are true. Um, yes. So for years to come, we will still be discussing it. Will the framework for that discussion change? Has it already changed? Absolutely. You know, we could still argue. Well, you'd be better off with Luca over Trey, or Luca's going to have the better career. Whatever. People can do that, and that's fine. Like, there's there's nothing wrong with that, and there's a case to be made there, but the play by the Atlanta Hawks was to get extra equity, was to get a player that they thought was equally potential, uh, a, a potential star, and to get an extra lottery pick in the process, which they got and in, in, in used on Cam Reddish. So if Reddish, especially, you know, a lot of this depends on how Reddish develops. Right. Will Trey ever be on the same level as Luca? Maybe that's eye of the beholder. Maybe we won't know for another five years. But if you have, if, if they're at least close to equal and you got Reddish on top of it, I mean, where you, you haven't lost, right? And uh, so much about the NBA, too, is about context and who you put around your star, right? The first thing you need is a superstar. They both have one. Dallas has one. Atlanta has one. So you're, you're, you're already step one. You got done. Everything else is about surrounding that star with the right complementary talent, a second star, maybe a third star, really great role players. And the Hawks, because they've drafted so well, credit to Travis Schlenk on that note for sure, Trey's got the better supporting cast right now and the better path to, to success. So, um, you know, he, he may get the better short-term career here, but it's, you know, it's going to be, you know, five to 10 years before we can truly assess both of their careers and then that trade itself. But right now, I think everybody looks good. I don't think anybody's unhappy with what the deal that they made. Howard back here on the program. I'm going to ask you a question about Kawhi Leonard. I, I know you don't, know the answer because I don't think anybody knows the answer but educated guess and I understand that a lot of that will be guesswork but do you think Kawhi is a clipper next year do you feel any confidence in, in believing that that he will re- return to that team I have no confidence in predicting the paths of any NBA stars anymore um, and Kawhi in particular because he may be the most unpredictable of them all I'd be shocked though anyway if he left LA he he certainly, you know, maneuvered and, and schemed and did everything possible to get there in the first place. It's where he wanted to go before he was traded to Toronto. He got traded to Toronto instead, and the first chance he got, he left Toronto, a championship team, to go to L.A. because he wanted to be in Southern California, closer to home. And he got the Clippers to give up a boatload to get Paul George from Oklahoma to, to then walk away. I mean, for what? Like, if, if the idea is, well, we didn't succeed, well, because you were hurt. Like, it's not somebody else's fault. Now, I know there are murmurings about whether he's happy with the medical staff and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's his entire career now. That's, that's just, you know, so. But if he's feeling a certain way and, and wants to use that as, as a pretense to, to leave, I mean, uh, anything could happen. But 
is he going to find a better situation somewhere else this summer? Um, I, you know, I guess there are a couple intriguing ones out there, but I, I, I don't know. I, I'd be shocked. I, I got to believe that he'll use his free agency to leverage whatever he needs to with the Clippers. Maybe it's to make other changes um, within the organization. Who knows? But I think ultimately he's back there. Howard Beck, I will see you maybe in New York City this month, maybe hopefully at a Game 6 closeout. I'm rooting for whatever team makes it to Game 6 in the closeout situation in Milwaukee. But either way, it's great to hear your voice. Thanks for being on the Jim Rome Show, and safe travels when you go to uh, beautiful Wisconsin. (laughs) Always a pleasure, my friend. Hope to see you soon. Good night now!